Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another edition of Rooster and the Villain. I'm very happy to have another guest this week. We're going to be dropping a few episodes, um, hopefully weekly for a little while. We got some in the hopper. And again, we're excited to have a guest, Craig Hearn, tonight. I think he's got a very exciting story. We'll hear a lot about his personal soccer journey, as we usually do here on Rooster and the Devil. Uh, but without further ado, uh, Craig, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit? Yeah, Mike. Thank yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, I've been involved with soccer uh, for about 30 years. I live in Metro Detroit. Um, I've recently, within the past year, started a, uh, a soccer show. So I do a weekly show and some smaller videos uh, called We Are Soccer. Um, and I'm just kind of just having fun doing a podcast and doing a show and uh, got quite a little, little bit of a following going, which is nice. But uh, as I said, been involved with soccer for 30 years. Uh, it's kind of all I know these days, I'm, I'm, I've been all in on soccer pretty much my entire life. Uh, I watch it, read about it, uh, still play it, even though 41 years old and should be retiring, but I uh, still play <laughs> weekly uh, as much as I can get out and play. You know, I got out last night and uh, both my right, my right and left ankle were hurting me this morning. I don't know why, but they were 34. Yeah, you feeling. got a couple, a couple years on me still. <laughs> Um, so I want to talk about the podcast real quick. Uh, so you said you have a little bit of a following and I saw you guys drop pretty weekly content and you're very consistent with it. So tell me about the podcast a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, there was a new network that actually started up here in Metro Detroit uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, my brother-in-law was involved with it. Um, kind of a, uh, a sports network where they talk about all sports. And I went to him and I said, listen, you guys are missing a big piece of the Metro Detroit pie with soccer. You guys just got to get a, a weekly soccer show going. And I think you'd bring in a lot more followers. And he looked at me and he said, we don't know anybody who knows soccer. Uh, so you're it. And I was like, yeah. Oh, well, okay, sure. Um, so I just started a show one hour live on at 8am uh, Saturday mornings. And it kind of just grew uh, Metro Detroit kind of took to it. So um, the, we are soccer show. Uh, we're on Facebook. We go live on Facebook, um, sometimes on Twitter when we can, uh, and YouTube. And we, we get several thousand views live a week, and then we put out other videos. Uh, it caught on really quickly over the summer, and I was interviewing people like Kellen Acosta from the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, I was lucky enough to talk to Rebecca Lowe of NBC Sports um, and, and just a host of people. And I'd never had any training in, in media or, um, or hosting anything like that before. So it was brand new to me. So I'm, and I'm still doing it. I'm still learning as I go every, every day I'm trying something new, uh, but it's picked up uh, a following. So we're on all the social media uh, platforms, you name it, we're on it. And we talk about soccer from kids soccer, uh, the youth level, all the way up to the professional level. Um, the professional level obviously gets a little bit more, uh, interest from folks uh, who in, who really like, you know, the Premiership and La Liga. So we jump in and we talk about that quite often. Uh, recently, the U.S. men's national team and their games, the World Cup qualifying games, is, has brought about a lot of attention for us. So we've been uh, focusing on that, a lot of conversations. Um, but yeah, We Are Soccer kind of just started out of a, just a little idea that I had from my brother-in-law and his network that he was in. Uh, and then just turned into my show. Um, uh, so that's awesome. Oh, right. That's quite the intro, man. You, you uh, so I got to go back and listen to the Kellen Costa interview. Obviously that sounds fantastic. Rebecca Lowe too. That's, that's insanity. So, yeah. so being local Detroit, how did you gain the following from Detroit? It was it the network that had it already. And they said, Hey, we have a soccer show or did you guys cover 
like Detroit City FC and that kind of you got the Northern Guard supporters in there. Like, yeah, how- it wasn't it wasn't really the network. It was kind of um, I hate to sound big headed or egotistical, but um, I've made I've played in the Metro Detroit area for for thirty years, so I've made a lot of um, connections huh. uh, and a lot of people know me because I've played at the highest level that our state had to offer. Um, and all of a sudden I just started up and started using my own social media accounts and pushing out the show and it just started building. Um, and because I did play for Detroit city, um, back when it first started in 2010, I believe it was, it was 10 yeah. years ago now. Um, I, I had a lot of, still had a lot of connections there and they jumped on the show. They, they thought it was a great idea. So, um, cool. I, I covered all of their games. I went out to their games and normally, in previous years, I'd go out to the games and people would recognize me as someone who used to play for Detroit City. And then huh. uh, once we started the soccer show, I started getting recognized as the guy, as the host of the We Are Soccer show. Huh. Uh, so it's kind of a flip there. But no, that's kind of how it built the following, just Metro Detroit. And it seems to have grown a little bit globally. I've got some family in England. Uh, and they push it a little bit for me as well. Neat. Um, so just, yeah, just growing. All right, yeah. man. That, that's awesome. Um so I, I, I love too the, your, your ambiance behind you, you're standing up, which I appreciate. That looks, yeah. <laughs> that looks like what I should be doing. Cause I've been sitting all day <laughs> um, city till I die, a little scarf above you, yep. a flag. I mean, it's just a classy setup you got going on. Is that, is that a little world cup trophy behind you as well? On the Pulisic jersey right in the middle. Yeah, my brother bought that. My brother bought that for me a couple of years ago. So I was like, it's just been in my basement here. And uh, I, I, you know, I got a little beer fridge down here and I spent a lot of time watching games down here. And uh, so, yeah, I've got the Christian Pulisic jersey. I've got Villa, uh, you know, stuff, uh, scarves and flags all around. And uh, yeah, you know, just this is this is my little away from uh, the family area. Yeah, yeah, nothing wrong with that. As a, a dad of two, I completely understand. Dad of three on the line as well, too. So, uh, yeah, yeah, being a dad's I, I, cool. It, it's Crazy. cool. It, it has its moments. Uh, I will give you, uh, give you and your viewers um, to 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 show you how into soccer I am. Um, my third, my third child. Um, so I've got boy, girl, boy. Uh, the third child is a boy. I convinced my wife to name him Aston. Uh, so we have a son named after a soccer team. So he has no choice of who to support when he grows up. So how did you come to support Aston Villa? So um, my, my parents are English. Uh, my dad didn't play for Villa, but he played uh, at lo- the lower level leagues in England. Um, he grew up a couple of minutes away from Villa Park um, and him mm. and his, his dad and his brother uh, and a bunch of their cousins, they all went down to Villa Park uh, on a weekly basis. So wow. um, as is what happens, you know, you watch, you grow up, you watch your dad support someone and you watch your dad follow a team or whatever, and you just kind of buy in. So sure. it's, yeah, it's been, it's been the club literally have been there my entire life. Um, I mean, a couple of months after I was born, there's pictures of me wearing a Villa, Villa shirt and hat. So um, yeah, all in. And that's, that's the story. There's no real like, way around it as, as we like to say in the Aston Villa uh, group it's it's in the blood um, and it's just something that I follow the villa wherever they go if they come to America I've traveled to that city and I watch them play I've traveled mm-hmm. to England several times just so for, just for a single game um, nice. you know if they're playing I take time out of my day and I'm I'm watching the game it's um, another one of those all in there's there's nothing but Aston Villa for me yeah so what what age did dad move over uh, across the pond into the other football uh, area. 
Especially, we, yeah, especially where you are in Eastern Michigan too. And I should yeah. say the other guys that do the podcast with me, one lives in Holland, the other in Grand Rapids. And I lived in Grand Rapids for four years. So I'm familiar with, uh, with Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful area out there. That's the West side of the state. I'm, uh, I'm in the East side of the state here. Uh, we moved here in, uh, in 1991. Uh, so officially, uh, I'm sorry, 90. Um, so been here officially uh, 31 years uh, and just jumped right into to playing soccer right away. Um, I, I had a pretty thick English accent when I got here. I, I am actually English. Um, Did the girls love it? Um, the funny thing was, since I was, was I, uh, nine or whatever it was, I was um, in elementary school and I was the new kid. We moved in January. So all of a sudden the new kid shows up and he's got an English accent. And I didn't talk very much, but the kids used to come up and give me like, their, their milk money, like, hey, just say my name and just go ahead and say my name or say words. So I got paid. I'd come home with like <laughs> three bucks and my mom's like, where are you getting all this money from? I don't understand how this is happening. They just paid me to talk. And then That's a riot. Yeah, after about six months, my accent had gone completely. So, huh. so it didn't work out very well as a business huh. venture. Can you, you could still turn it on, I'm guessing though, right? I, I struggle to turn it on when I want to, but I will yeah. tell you that when I am playing soccer or when I get drunk, it does come out. It comes out pretty heavily. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I'm from, uh, from Jersey. So not a stick of an accent, but still, still running through my head, you know, still comes, comes to you in a few words. Definitely and, when uh, I'm mad, places. definitely when I'm mad or yeah. Or soccer yeah. too. Yep. All right. So I want to talk about your personal soccer journey jersey a bit so what is youth how old were you, you did you start playing right away your dad is huge soccer guy were you in youth yeah. soccer yeah yeah so just you know I I gotta be honest I've only ever played one other sport than soccer and that was basketball in middle school just because the this middle school I went to had a basketball team so I signed up and played besides yeah. that um, I've literally played soccer my entire life um, mm-hmm. I mean literally every single day I got the kids in the neighborhood to play soccer I convinced all the kids at school on recess to play soccer, jumped right in at the youth level. Um, I didn't start playing organized youth soccer until about the, until, until I got here uh, at around about the age of 10 and um, just kind of moved up through the levels. I uh, played for a club when I was uh, uh, 13 through uh, 18, uh, the Michigan Wolves, which are a very popular club here in Michigan. Um, so I played for them. Um, and then just kind of played high school as well. Cause back when I was growing up, it was, it was high school soccer. You know, there's mm-hmm. now obviously in youth soccer, um, there's, there's club or high school and a lot of the really good players just stick with club back when I was playing, it was, yeah, you played club in the spring and then in the, in the fall, you went to high school. So, yeah, um, I mean, high school soccer is pretty fun. I, I definitely, the other guys in this podcast played and I would go to all, all our high school games and yeah. it's awesome. Uh, yeah, but definitely the youth experience. There, there wasn't, weren't a lot of coaches that knew the game, I would say, yeah. in, in our area. Was that your experience growing up? Yeah, that was so, as I said, my dad was a professional soccer player, a lower level professional soccer player. And when we got here, uh, I'll give you the, the example of high school. Um, I, I got to high school as a freshman and the, the soccer coach was a science teacher. Um, yeah. so that was, that was a little bit strange, Typical. but my dad was like, he was like, listen, he's the coach. If he wants to play you on the left side, the right side, or sit you on the bench, uh, he's the coach who gets to do whatever he wants. Um, so my dad was literally like, that's his team. I'm, I'm not saying anything. And my dad, my dad was always the quiet gr- uh, guy in the crowd. He never yelled or screamed. But then nice. once I got in the car, he told me how poorly I did. And I, <sighs> you know, I'd say, yeah, I, I scored three goals today. He goes, yeah, but you missed two others. 
Oh so, man, that's tough. Yeah, yeah. Come on, yeah but come on, dad. Yeah. <laughs> I, but it was it was needed. It was needed. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, uh, like I said, next professional. He knows the game uh, better than anyone I've ever known. So uh, it's where I get it's where I get my passion from. But um, yeah, the the coaching when I was growing up wasn't the greatest. I was lucky at the Michigan Wolves to have a very good coach. And then my dad also helped as well. So that was great. And then once I got to the college level, you could see it really changed um, the, the coaching and the, the preparation for games uh, compared to the youth levels. Nowadays, uh, I'm very good friends with a lot of coaches in the area here, youth coaches, and the game has completely changed. I mean, there are some of these teams that are uh, U12 and they're practicing four or five days a week and then flying yeah. off to different areas for games. It's it's completely different. Uh, and I really wish, I really wish I was a, I was younger and be able to play nowadays because the, the dedication that these clubs and coaches put in is something I was starved for. Yeah. I mean, actually I just interviewed a guy yesterday that's on the Bobcats in Nisa and mm. he was talking and he's a coach, um, but he grew up in France and he was talking about youth soccer development and I'm kind of forgetting where I'm going with that right now. What were we just talking about there? Just the level of commitment and stuff that it takes. Oh yeah. 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 So he was saying that the academy at the academy level, you know, they're going to practice two, three times a day from 10 years old on. And then when he got to America, he came here in, you know, college air um, age. He was just, he was just stunned. Yeah. Yeah. Big difference from, from here to everywhere else in the world, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So after Michigan wolves, so, so were you guys traveling all over the United States playing in games or were there a lot of clubs in Michigan that you all were playing against? Yeah, we, pl- we played mostly in Michigan in the Midwest, um, but we did travel for tournaments. We went to Florida, North Carolina, um, you know, Indiana, um, Ohio, um, a lot of those areas, Wisconsin. We went to a lot of different tournaments and played, played against some of the best teams in the Midwest. Uh, unfortunately, we were never, we never really went any further than that. We were a good team, but not a great team. Um, but it, it served its purpose. I was able to play to, at one of the best levels the state had to offer as a youth, uh, which which got me some some eyeballs from college coaches and led to you know some different opportunities for me in college, which was nice. Yeah, yeah. So talk about the Michigan State experience too. And and as you're we were talking earlier about lower lower league soccer, I thought NCAA in 2002 must have been like where all the top tier people yeah. played. Like I, I would imagine that level was was pretty fantastic um, yeah it, it was it was there was nothing better than 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 college soccer back in the early 2000s late 90s early 2000s if you were a college soccer player especially at the division one level it, it meant you'd kind of made it um so that was the top level to play at and luckily uh, michigan state is about an hour down the road from from me here um and that's where i ended up i played for four years there um i mean i was very dedicated but after four years, I got burned out a little bit um, and then didn't take up an opportunity or two to play um, semi-pro or pro after that. But I really enjoyed the recruiting process. Uh, it, was, it was a very humbling experience as well. You had coaches from different universities telling you they'll give you this much money and, and they'll give you oh. this much time. Uh, yeah. and, then, and then Michigan State came in and, and I couldn't say no to them. Um, but they, they were very, the, the, I'll be very honest. The thing they told me was, listen, we're not going to guarantee you any playing time. This is how much money we'll give you to go to school here. But if you come in day one and you suck, we've got kids who've been here for three or four years busting their butt. Why are you going to get a, uh, you know, ahead of them? So I really appreciated the honesty and them saying, you got to earn your spot. So uh, it, it was a great four years I had. Um, 
I, I wouldn't trade it back for anything. The friends uh, I made, the experiences I had, the growing experiences, it, it was great. And to be honest, I came out with a four, I came out with an education. Um, you know, that's, that's really what I was, I wanted to go play soccer and grow as a soccer player uh, and see if I could go professional afterwards. But I wanted to make sure I came out with an education. I came out with a four-year degree, a bachelor's degree, which, which is, you know, I've been yeah, working for since then. So it, yeah. it worked out well. So uh, what position did you play in college? Uh, I was, I was striker. I'm, nice. I'm normally, um, I hate to sound big headed, but I'm normally the fastest guy on the field. Nice. Um, I'm not, not the most technical or skillful, but I'm going to be the quickest guy on the field. So pretty quickly coaches, when they got me, they figured out, okay, we, we can put the ball into the corner and he's going to get to it every single time. Huh. So, um, yeah, I was, I was forward um for three years and then for the last year they put me as a wide mid which mm. i didn't enjoy too much but you know what, you can't what, what formation you did you all play oh sorry cut your right no, off. no you're good that that's a great question um we were a straight four four two uh that's that's all i've ever played my entire life is straight four four two uh i did later in my career play a four three three in the middle of a four three three and it boggled my mind uh i wasn't quite mm-hmm. up to speed with it uh, now, obviously, I know every, I know, I know how it works. I know how all the formations work and where to be. But um, yeah, I yeah, mean, we, I would imagine cause that puts you in the false nine position, right? When yeah, 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 so it's it, 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 it's it's a struggle when you when you've played, you know, you know, ten or fifteen years in a four four two. Then all of a sudden they're like, hey, we're going to do this and four four three three, and you're like, oh shit, yeah. When you get caught in the moment, you don't know who to mark or where to be, and it it, it can it can screw you up. But uh, yeah, luckily we were a we were a four. It ended up being a four four one one. I was always I always play as the high man, the man nice. where if we get in trouble, we push the ball over the top and, and Craig runs to it. So were you trying to just uh, slip behind the defenses all the time? Yep. Yeah, I, I run off the shoulder. Um nice. I get caught off sides a couple of times here and there, yeah. but I can I can play on the shoulders pretty well and then my first step's usually quicker than most. So And were there any goals you scored in uh, college where you're like VR, VR would have caught that one? Um, <laughs> might have been one or two. Yeah, yeah. There were definitely one or two. Uh, there was also one or two that I I thought you know were, were, were offside. There weren't offsides were called, but you know, um, yeah, yeah they're you know back in the day for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. So so can you run us through your uh, four years? Did you go there freshman year and immediately get playing time, or did you have to earn your spot? Um, so uh, I'll, I'll, I will. I'll cut this short just a little bit. So when I was in high school. Um, during the recruiting process in my senior year, I went to my high school counselor and I said, listen, I'm getting recruited by division one schools. At that time it was Michigan state, uh, South Carolina, uh, St. John's. Um, there was three or four other major schools that were recruiting me. And I went to my counselor and said, I'm in the middle of being recruited. Let's make sure I'm good with credits and all good. Um, she counted my credits. We're all good. I get recruited by Michigan state. I sign a letter of agreement uh, intent and get there on the first day of campus. We go through, uh, in the fall, um, we're doing everything. And all of a sudden the NCAA clearinghouse uh, comes back and says, you don't, you're one credit short. Uh, so my high school actually admitted fault. They said, this is not the student's fault. This is our fault. We completely admit fault on this. Um, the NCAA still punished me. And they said, we're taking your freshman year away. You Classic. only can, you can only get it back if you graduate within four years. So I was at summer school every year for the next three years. I graduated in four years, got my year back. So that first year oh. that I was on campus, I had to sit out and just watch and it killed me. Um, but it's so devastating. 
Yeah, it, it was. And why are you doing really, that NCAA over a credit? Come mm-hmm. on. A credit that, that like, it was like this, it wasn't even like a science or a math. It was like some stupid, like bullshit credit. Yeah. And the NCAA just put their foot down. And, and even though, like, like my high school said, like, it wasn't my fault. They were the ones who miscalculated. And, and it was a very reputable high school. Um, the NCAA threw it out and said no. So, um, so I missed. They made first you year. expedite your four years. It's just such an absurd thing to do. It's so yeah, that, it is absolutely. I, I don't see a lot of that happening these days, but back back then, and it, that that type of it did happen. It was it hurt. Um, so I set out that first year, but then I did get it back at the end. So I did play a solid four years. Um, and then yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. Some of the games um, playing at Notre Dame, uh, playing at Notre Dame, and like. 10 degrees. It was freaking cold. I remember that. I remember going to California and playing in tournaments. The, I, we played against Indiana and Indiana is still one of the best um, college teams in the nation. They, they seem to beat us every time, but um, they were, they were a tough team to play against. So I remember a lot of those games and, and the work we had to put in and, Oh man. Um, yeah. The, the four years, four and a half years there flew by for me. So oh, it was, yeah. it was awesome. I loved it. Um, so like I said, still have some friends and, and still uh, have a lot of memories from Michigan state that I cherish. Do you think that uh red shirt year helped you in the end, getting that little extra half semester to train with the team before being introduced? Um, I think I, I don't know if it helped. Yeah. I don't, I really don't. I think if I would have, Cause I went into, uh, I went in there and I actually trained for the first couple of days while the clearinghouse and the, the university were trying to figure everything out. So I was training with the team and I was flying. Uh, I was absolutely flying around the field. Um, and then all of a sudden to just stop and not be able to play. Yeah, uh, that's the form. longest. Yeah. It's the longest time I'd ever not played soccer. Um, so yeah. it, 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 it might've stunted a little bit of the growth, but in the end uh-huh. it wasn't not a big deal. So, so your first year you're on the squad, did you, did you get in the team or were you on the team sheet most nights or did it? Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. So essentially my sophomore year, which was, which counted as my freshman year playing, I I was a starter. Uh, I was on the team sheet. I was one of the first ones. I think I might've been the leading goal scorer that year. Um, And then, then, then we kind of dropped and we changed some different tactics and I became more of an assist guy. Um, and then they put me out wide a couple of times, but, um, my, my senior year, I actually didn't score a single goal, but I still managed to get second team, all big 10 somehow. Um, so that was nice, but I would have liked to at least have a goal my senior year. What would you say was your favorite season? Uh, I think my first year. Yeah. My first year, I was so naive. I didn't really know like how good players or teams were. And I just went out and played to have fun. And after that, I started to look into it and take it more serious. And when I take soccer serious, I don't do as well. But that first year, um, I, I, I really enjoyed playing that first year. I was just putting my head down and running and having a lot of fun and trying to score goals for the team. And we weren't the greatest team at the time. Um, but, but uh, yeah, that was fun. That was real. That was a lot of fun that first year. Yeah. I mean, fun is, uh, it's an interesting word when you're watching soccer. Cause I think you see it all the time with new managers coming in, all of a sudden players have fun again. They can play. Yeah. Should, yeah. There's something That's to what it. it is. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So after college, amazing four years of experience, like top notch, everyone loves college. I can only imagine being on the soccer team would have been that much more baller. But uh, yeah. you, you do get an opportunity a few years later. Detroit City comes knocking at your door. And I understand it was quite a few years later, right? 
Yeah. So once, uh, once I finished up playing in Michigan state, I decided I didn't really want to play too much anymore. Uh, and that lasted a couple of months. And then I started playing in um, men's leagues and the beer leagues around town. So I just played for the next couple of years. And, and the, some of the leagues we have here in Metro Detroit, they're actually very serious. A lot of ex college players, um, a lot of guys from other countries who are ex pros who come and play. So I jumped into those leagues and played there, played in those leagues for five, six, seven years. Uh, and then Detroit city FC started up. Uh, and I, one of the, one of the owners that there's, there's, there, there's four owners. And one of the owners was a friend of mine. And um, he called me and said, listen, we're having tryouts tomorrow. And you come, come down and try out. And at that point I was, uh, I was 31, I believe. Hmm. And I said, listen, uh, I'm a little too old, but I'll come down and try out just, just for the heck of it. And it was the day after St. Patrick's day. Um, so I was a little hungover. Um, but, but, um, I, I what league were they well. in at the time? Were they like, um, God, what was it? NP, uh, NPSL, NPSL. That sounds like it would be. Yeah. NPSL. I think, I think it was, I, I, did they I have the Northern my, guard supporter? Was there like, or was the team brand new? It was brand new. Just started off. Yeah. It was, it was literally like, Hey, we're having open tryouts and anybody who wants to play can come and play. And we had, they had hundreds of people show up. They had several tryouts. Huh. Um, it was really well organized and, and there wasn't like any fanfare or anything at the time when it, when it first started, like, uh, that first spring that they did the tryouts. Hmm. Um, so I made the team and I told my buddy, I was just going to be a season ticket holder, man, and come down and drink beer and watch the game. And all of a sudden I'm, I, I'm, I got made, I made the team. It was out of like, okay, all right. Um, the, yeah, we showed up to that first, feel pretty yeah, good. at that point I was back, but I was married and, and I had a full-time job. So it was tough because no child we, showed up that, we showed up that first like couple of weeks and we're doing training and I'm looking around at my teammates. I'm like, college, 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 <laughs> just graduated, just graduated coming out of high school. I'm like, what am I doing? I was the oldest guy on the team. Yeah. I'm like, what am I literally I'd go to work. I'd go to work for eight or nine hours and then have to go practice. And these kids have been sitting on their couch watching ESPN and playing video games. Mm. Um, we practiced three times a week and it was brutal. The practices were brutal. The games are <laughs> the easy part. I was begging <laughs> to get to the games cause they were easy. How'd you, how'd you end up playing? Uh, I did. Okay. I was a starter. I started the first eight games. Um, nice. and then I suffered. Uh, 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 my shoulder so I missed the next couple of games uh, and then got back in as a starter and played some significant minutes towards the end we didn't have the most successful season in the world um, but it, it was fun the northern guard showed up I think that first game they had three four five hundred people that's pretty good there wasn't very many of them but yeah yeah I mean off the bat like we we literally walked onto the field and we were like Oh shit! There's a lot of fans here. Like we didn't expect. Like, cool. There was a there was a total there was a total of like a thousand fans or something like 900 fans and and half of them were just like people in Detroit who'd heard there's a soccer team, so they came out to watch. And now the Northern Guard is just yeah. I mean, how well, cool is it? What it, Detroit it, City has become. I yeah. mean, you played you played so early on in that, and now USL Championship. Like they're legit as f. Yeah, man. They, um, they, they were back, Detroit city back in the day, we were just like a little team of, like I said, college guys and ex college guys. And we had fun and we weren't the greatest team. We, I think, uh, we ended up finishing third or something, second or third in the league or something like that. We had a great time. The Northern guard grew every week. Uh, it was great. They started doing the smoke bombs. I was playing wide, right mid and I hated it because the damn smoke <laughs> would just fill 
and I'm screaming for the ball and no one can hear me because the damn Northern guard won't shut up. So I can never get the ball out there, but, but you know, I mean, I'm, Don't feel they, they're too, great. Yeah. yeah. And now the Northern guard is, man, they, they help the community. They do so many good things. It really has become like this, just it's, it's, it's unbelievable what they do uh, every year for the, for the community and the team. I mean, this, the, the group of supporters seems incredible. Even, we were at the Bobcat. Or I didn't go to this Bobcats game when they played Detroit City. It was a Wednesday night here, but you guys traveled like a hundred fans down to to Maryland, and you're lighting smoke bombs on the other side of the stadium and everything. It was you don't see that in Nisa very often. Uh, well, you really don't. You don't see uh, fans travel. Northern Guards travels well, and I gotta I gotta believe that now that they've moved up to USL uh, Championship, there there's even gonna be more of them traveling. So. And what, um, it, it's such it's an good. opportunity for them in Michigan because there's no other big professional no. teams. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. just cool. It's really cool. They're the, they're the highest level They're They're the team that everybody knows about. Um, it is, it is a great opportunity. I don't think Detroit city are going to dominate USL championship like they did NISA in the last couple of years. Um, but they'll be competitive and they'll grow and they'll learn and they're going to get better. I can see Detroit city right now. They're playing out of a, out of Key Worth stadium in Hamtramck, which is just on the inside of Detroit city limits. And it's kind of a rundown beat up stadium, but they've done Detroit city. They've done a great job along with the charm, that kind of building too, though, in a way. It does, but I see, I see in the next four or five years, them building something really nice. I really, yeah, nice I mean, US, I, I, yeah. wouldn't be surprising that they made that arrangement with the championship to join the mm-hmm. championship. And yeah. honestly, what an important club it was to have in Nisa the first, you yeah. know, for, for, for Nisa's first season and second season, it was so important that a Detroit city was there to, I, I'd hate to use the word prop, but perhaps <laughs> it, it provided like a carrot for the other teams to aim for though. And by the end of the last season, you did see some teams closing the gap a little bit like Detroit city, obviously still dominated, but it was, it was just such an important club. And Nisa absolutely thank them instead of yes, sully their name on the way out. I I love the fact that you said it's like carrot, like that. That's a great way. You know, other clubs, like look what you can get to, look what you can build if you follow and and join this league. So you're right, man. You're absolutely right. You know, that's actually a stolen analogy from my seventh grade cross country team. Yeah, (laughs) shout out, Mr. (laughs) Allen. So not my original analogy, but all right. Anyway, um, so now with the show, you watch world, your, your world soccer guy, right? Or, or what, what's your primary perfect game scenario? Is it just a Villa game on a Saturday with, with a pint or what are you talking? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's my perfect uh, scenario. Like a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, I'm, I'm sitting down around noon with a pint of beer watching the Villa game, but um, something I've really gotten into in the last couple of years that I really do enjoy is the U S men's national team. I didn't, I paid attention to the U S men's national team, um, you know, prior to that, but in the past three or four years, I've just, I'm all in, uh, I've been, I've traveled. I saw two in this past window. I saw two of the three games. I didn't go to Canada, but I was in Columbus. Uh, and then I just traveled Cincinnati? to Minnesota. Uh, oh, to oh you went that to that game. game. <gasps> yeah. Was that, no that game. shit. No yeah, shit. Coldest game in history. Good lord, how cold was it? <laughs> oh, so I, I took my phone out, and yeah, it said it was zero or negative one, but the real feel, it said it was like negative fourteen. It was, it was 
disgustingly cold. I am a little upset with the U.S. Soccer Federation that they actually went ahead with that game because you know two of the two of the Honduras players, the Hondurans, they had they had they suffered hypothermia, and now we're talking about people's lives. And did you and see like Reggie Cannon's? Did you see his ears? Yes. Yeah, I saw that. Like what happened? That, what? Yeah, his ears just got so cold they started swelling up. Man, the the top oh. of his ears. I saw that. It, so it was. I tell you how bad it was. Uh, I went. I went to go find the restroom, and I'm like, "Why are there so many people in this restroom?" Oh, wait a minute. They're not actually going to the restroom. These people are just standing here to get warm. People were lining the walls on their phone, just playing on their phone, trying to in the restroom get warm. It was that's how cold it was. Uh, but you know, it, the great the, the, energy the, though. Oh, the, the crowd was phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, no, no one was sitting down. You couldn't sit down. You had to keep moving. So everybody's kind of just doing this the whole time. I had, je- I had two pairs of underwear, jeans, snow pants, uh, a long sleeve shirt, a short sleeve shirt, a hoodie, another jacket, and then a big jacket, big winter You're a gloves. seasoned vet in Michigan. You know, you know how to keep, keep warm in the yeah. cold. This is true, but I don't like the cold, but it was worth it. I, I was also well, um, well liquored up. So I'd been drinking since about noon. And um, so I couldn't feel the cold until about the 70th minute. And but I'm I assuming did, you drove there? No, I flew. Yeah, oh, you flew? Uh, okay. About an hour and a half flight. So Quick little out. hopper. Yeah, you're right. Detroit to uh, Minneapolis. That's an yeah. easy flight. I hate that flight over the lake. I had the scariest flight of my life over Lake Michigan. The plane oh. went, it was just a little hopper from Grand Rapids to Chicago, then back home to Jersey. But over the lake, we had a storm and oh. the plane was just, but oh, yeah. it cleared up when we got to Chicago and you could see Coldplay playing in uh, the Bear Stadium <laughs> on the way down of the light show and everything. It was That's you know. awesome. <laughs> All right. So the game itself, um, that's were those your first two u.s games no i i went to uh i was in columbus in october for uh the when they played el salvador so i was uh, i'm sorry costa rica we played costa rica so i was there for that um and then i've seen u.s play a couple times over the years i was actually i went to see the u.s game who did they play i want to say sweden in 1994 in uh, the oh. silver dome in pontiac in the world's cup so what? i was that, that was my dad. very first one. Yeah. Oh, your dad was so wise to that already. And it was such, yep. Yeah, you, it was crazy. I mean, I, I don't know whether to talk about new USMNT stuff or talk about that experience of going to a 1994 World Cup, which maybe that is a double-click worthy moment. Like, what the hell? How old were you? I was, I was 14. Yeah, I was 14 at the time, and I remember it vividly, man. So I, we went to – there was three games at the Silverdome uh, in Pontiac, and we went to all three of them on the U.S. Uh, I think it was Sweden. I think it was U.S.-Sweden. We went to that one. Uh, and it was – man, they – because it was AstroTurf, in they had Detroit. to bring in grass. So they had to bring in grass for that. And um, huh. the field held up well. It was fun. It was, it was a great atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, at 14 years old, seeing a – well, I mean, my head's exploding right now. I'm sure you're very excited <laughs> to take your children in yeah. four and a half years here. So, all right. So let's talk about current USMNT since you're a fan and I'm a, I'm a big fan. That's like, actually, that's what I like more than Tottenham is what I've learned about myself in this last window. I started watching them in 2010. I started watching Tottenham four mm-hmm. years ago. Like USMNT is my love is my treasure. If we miss the world cup, I'll be so devastated. I still think we're in okay shape. There's, oh, they're going to make it. I hope yeah. we get, if we, if we tie it as Tekka, 
game one, then I'll be a lot more confident. But oh, absolutely, yeah. We tie. I think the magic. The magic number is four. Is it? Is that what? Yeah, there's there? like a bazillion scenarios to go. I, yeah. I I even saw a scenario today where they could win zero games and still uh still qualify somehow. So wouldn't feel right, but, but yeah. wouldn't feel right. I mean, everyone's just got a bad taste in their mouth from Trinidad and Tobago, and yeah, no. what a fluke. It was such a fluke on the last day. It was oh, insane what happened. Oh my gosh. I know. I know. I know. But yeah, number um, nine, but number yeah. nine, who do you got on our number nine? I like Pepe, but I also, I'm a real big fan of, uh, PFOX been playing really well. I'm a really big fan of Daryl DK. I think, I think one of those, I think all three of those three, uh, all three of those need to go on, be on the plane to Qatar when we make it. We will be making it when we make it. Um, I, I like, I like Pepe. I think he's come a long way. I think he's going to be good. He's got a really good hold up play. So if he plays as the nine, I think that's a great, great position for him. No one hates Greg at all when he plays Pepe up top. It's, yeah. it's just a solid choice. Yeah. When he plays Zardis and starts him against Canada. Didn't understand that. Did not understand that at all. Would, does anyone except mm-hmm. Greg Balter, Berhalter? I, 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 would, I would love to know what the thinking was there because – you he listen Zardes is the guy when when you're sitting in and need to defend he's the guy who plays up top because you can push the ball over the top to him and you'll run onto it but when you're going to hold most of possession for the game and you need someone up top to be able to flick the ball on or go up or hold the ball up or dance it's not Zardes it is not those tactics made absolutely no sense to me I thought Greg Berhalter lost his mind in that game yeah, he absolutely, I would say, shit the bed, honestly. Yeah, that's, it that's was such time. a painful display of – in the attacking there, there was like there's nothing. There was no mm-hmm. balls, and there was like absolutely nothing. They had the ball the entire time, but there was just nothing. Unimagin- unimaginative. Yeah. They, they really had no idea what to do. Now, the field was a little bit uh, narrow, so there was less room. And Canada did that on purpose, obviously, but they sat in, they closed the gaps, they closed the lanes. The USA had no idea what to do. You saw Pulisic try to run at people, but there was no space. There was always three people there. He's a little uh, off too right now, if we're being yeah, honest. He's not, he's not having, uh, I saw Taylor Twillman say the best thing about Pulisic. He's just not having fun right now, right? It yeah. looks like he's not playing for fun. And that's what he needs to, he needs to get back to playing for fun. So he is a little off and having I did. I mean, in the, in the game against Honduras in Minneapolis, though, he scored the goal on a second touch. And then you saw some of those classic yeah. premier league Pulisic driving runs. Yep. That is when he is terrifying and you get why Tuchel likes him off the bench. He's like an amazing spark plug. He's, he's a game changer is what he is. He's the guy who you can he bring in, in, start in the USMNT. And, it, and he, yeah, he's just so quick and he's a game changer, right? I mean, that's what you want. I, I like that he comes off the bench for Chelsea to do that. But as a U.S. men's national team, uh, Homer, I would like to see him start and get as many minutes as possible. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just love him on the, the left wing too. like all game. He's got to be there. He's, yeah. he's, he's the first name on the team. She always. Absolutely. So then who do you like in the middle and out wide, right? Uh, uh, this, this is going to, this is going to sound strange. I'm a big fan of Weston McKinney, obviously. Uh, obviously. You know, I, I, th- I think he's one of our most talented players. Um, he's a great guy to have in the middle. But I love watching Kellen Acosta as well. 
play in the middle. I love watching him. I know he's obviously that plays the six, plays a little bit deeper, but he's I love why watching. we want the set pieces too. were just incredible. Exactly. Yeah. We haven't had set pieces like that in years. And all of a sudden he's swinging a ball in and putting him exactly where he need to be. And I think, I Lewis think because set pieces set- too against Canada, we're just, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll let you talk. Okay. Sorry, I keep cutting you no, off. No, no, you're right. No, you're absolutely right. And it it showed when he came in for, into that Honduras game that his set pieces are just so much better than everybody else's. Uh, and plus, he was spraying the ball around. I thought he won some tackles and sprayed the ball around. I don't know if we want to use the Honduras game as the best example because Honduras literally uh, stinks. They didn't. Yeah, they were just so cold. I think they just didn't care. They just wanted to get out of there. Yeah. Um, but but I love Weston McKinney in the middle. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really liking the way Moose has been playing as well. So, mm. um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's is so Adams almost the odd man out is who Adam is Tyler Adams. Almost the odd man out in that midfield. He, he almost becomes the odd man out. Yeah. Yeah. Although he has a think home. about when Gio Reyna comes back and if Sar- Josh Sargent gets in there and you got those guys to pick up, pick from, and you could drop them back depending on who we're playing. Um, there, it's a good headache for Greg Berhalter to have. There's a lot of good players um, for him to choose from those, those three up top and those three in the middle. So it, it's, it's a great problem for him to have. Yeah. I, I, I do want to say one of the guys who I really liked in this window, who I thought is a leader and shown that he is, I would say the leader of the team, Walker Zimmerman, that guy stuck out to me as that guy needs the captain's armband full time. That's it. no, no, no ifs, ands, or buts. That guy's going to run through a brick wall. He's going to demand the team uh, to uh, hold them to a level. I was really impressed during this window with him. It's not just this window, too. Is It's ever since he's been on the field for World Cup qualifying. He mm-hmm. is clearly, clearly first-choice center back. Absolutely. Should be. Absolutely. The other, the other center back role, I don't know. Who would you put there? Maybe uh, Miles Robinson plays well next to Zimmerman. They seem to have a very good connection. Um, I, I read a stat the other day that they've only been scored on once in, in like the nine games that they've started together. Um, mm. So they just seem to have this weird connection together. So um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mind him. I, I don't know. Um, to be honest, I don't think it matters as long as Zimmerman's there because he's going to clean up the shit and, and, and demand that his teammates get the best. Uh, I mean, we have... Uh, we have nice options at center back be- behind Miles because Chris Richards is there. You could always yep. call John Brooks back in the squad, which obviously is not he's happening going, right now for various. He's going reasons. through his issues, but he's still a really good player and still plays at a really good level. Obviously, with uh, out in the Bundesliga, so he's. I I think he needs to be on the plane to Qatar. And then it seems like Anthony Robinson is locked up left left yep. back. In I think best. so. Cannon close behind him on, on the right side. Mm-hmm. It's it's still exciting. I, I mean, I like Aronson up top too. I think, yeah. Um, it would be obviously Geo is just coming back, so we don't know what what he's going to look like coming back to this season. So you could you could see Aronson maintaining a spot up yeah. up top too. Absolutely, I, and I love the fact that Aronson's getting mentioned. Uh, you know, for future transfers to like somewhere like Leeds. Apparently, yeah. Leeds are really high on him. I mean. Uh, the number of 20 million pounds that are being thrown around that they were looking to buy him for that. That's I, at first I was like, that's crazy. And then you start to think about it. You're like, he's young, he's explosive. Um, he, he could really be a good player. So yeah, Aronson's going to be a good player for years to come. I think for us men's national team at times in world cup qualifying, I think he's been fantastic. Then at mm-hmm. times he's, he's young. So, you know, yeah. he can disappear a little bit or, or 
be a little fancier than he needs to be at points. But that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, just just keep it keep it simple. You know, you don't have to be so fancy. You're you're absolutely right. He needs to keep it simple a little bit. So, uh, what's your prediction for the three we've got coming up? Away at Mexico, home Panama, away at Costa Rica, which historically, as everyone sees on the internet, apparently we don't do well. Yeah, in Costa Rica. I I do think I do think we tie at Azteca. I think we do that. I think we tie. Uh, I think we come out with seven points. I think we tie win-win. I think we get the job done. I think the boys will come out and they will understand what's on the line. They'll remember what happened, you know, four years ago. Um, I think we get Costa Rica is not what it used to be in our, and us men's national team is not what it used to be. So I'm sick of all the past Costa Rican business. Brian Ruiz is starting. He's like 49 years old. Get out of here. He's, win that he's close to it. He's close to it. Yeah, I mean, he, he's so slow. Um, and, yeah, I, I think we get the job done. I think we absolutely 100%. And I think we're going to surprise people. I don't think we're going to win in Azteca. I don't think we can do that. I think we'll draw. I think We it'll be might lose, one. too. It's within the realm of possibility, Craig. Yep, it is. It is. It absolutely is. But as long as we come out with six points, I think we're good. And, yeah. and, and again, I don't care how we get it. I don't care how we, how we do in any of those games. I'm not concerned about the the level of play on the field right now. The, the main goal is just qualify, just qualify. qualify. And then we'll figure it out later. You know what I can't stand if we don't qualify is all the people that do not watch soccer and don't realize that there has been actual real improvement in the men's national team. And if mm-hmm. they miss the world cup, all you hear is people that don't know anything saying, Oh, we stink at soccer. Yeah. It's terrible. It's just, no, it's like Canada's, weirdly good and it can happen but we're gonna make it we're gonna make it and and yeah i'm sick of people like Stephen a smith jumping on the bandwagon of burr halter (laughs) out i mean that's that's kind of a shtick right it's 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 the best it's yeah this is true it's the best thing in the world for the media when the u.s lose because the amount of content that can be talked about and that can come out of it is is endless but yeah i mean I agree. It, the, I, the strides that U.S. men's national team have made in the last couple of years is just unbelievable. Which is why we're still in second place in the table. Mm-hmm. It's it's we're gonna be okay. We're gonna be we'll okay. be all right. We're gonna we're gonna get there. We're gonna we're gonna be in Qatar. All right. So I think we've covered U.S. men's national team enough, especially for this window. There's nothing we could do but worry about March coming up, and there's just theories going around. So I do want to jump to Aston Villa. Um, before we end here, just so we can talk about them and Jimmy, who is the other, he's the villain on the podcast. He would, he would just love all this Aston Villa talk. So I guess let's talk about Coutinho and your recent transfers and, we'll, and then we'll go from there. Sure. So I, I, one of the things I'm realizing that Americans don't understand about Aston Villa and how the premiership works, Aston Villa, actually the fourth richest club in the premiership. So there's, you've got Chelsea, um you've got um missing one somewhere there uh and then recently the the oh sorry chelsea man city and then newcastle and then aston villa they don't understand that villa are owned by two guys who are both billionaires and have have vowed to spend and spend a lot of money because they want champions league soccer they've owned the club for four years now they are spending money and to get people like atinu in the door you've got to spend money you got to get people like Gerard and his coaching staff in Villa are all in. They are not messing around this year has been a little bit of a struggle, obviously with Dean Smith. And then we changed over to Gerard, but you're going to see 
this summer, Villa are going to go out and spend big. If Coutinho can stay healthy and keep playing the way he's playing, they're going to exercise that option that they have on his contract from Barcelona because we get first first right and the the fee has already been negotiated, so we'll be purchasing him for thirty three million. Um, I guarantee we're going to purchase three or four more players. We'll probably spend upwards of a hundred million this summer to to get the players in. It, it's been it's been a little bit of an up and down year, as I said. We lost five in a row. We in the in the year of twenty twenty one, there was no Premiership team that lost more games than us. Mm. So Dean Smith had to go. He had to. Uh, I'm, I'm a, and I was a Dean Smith fan, but he had to go. You can't you can't be at a club like Aston Villa with the owners who want to spend money and have a, such ambition and lose five games in a row and be the most losing team in the Premiership in, the, in a year. So out the door he went, and then we went on a coaching search. And I wasn't one hundred percent sold on Gerard right off the bat. And then I saw the coaching staff he had and I saw his ambition. I saw what he brings with him and Oh man, is it, it's exciting. He's changed the team. He, the things he's done instantly in the first, um, first month or six weeks, it was, it was crazy to see and see the difference. You went on a run right away, right? You won like yeah. games. And it's- yeah. We won, we won the first one. I think we won the second. I think we drew and then we lost and then we won another one. Uh, I don't remember the record up in the bat, but yeah, we, yeah. And, and every team has that. It's a new manager bounce, right? Mm-hmm. A new manager comes in, no matter what team it is, your team's going to play well because it's a new manager, new ideas, new tactics. Dino but has blessed Norwich on the other side of that, uh, that fire. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I mean, Dean Smith went over there and he did, and he's doing well over there uh, today. Uh, you know, as we record this, they tied Crystal Palace, but he's doing well. They'll still be relegated. Norwich will be relegated for sure. Now with um, Newcastle, I do like Dean Smith. Signing, yeah. I, I do like Dean Smith. He's a good guy. He's a Villa fan through and through. Um, and he understood what, what was happening. But Villa, the, the next, you know, the next couple of months here until the season finishes, it's going to be a struggle to get to where they want to be. Um, but that's okay. Like I said, as long as we see progression, and we already have. We, I mean, you bring in people like Lucas Dina for, for $28 million in a January window. You bring, bring in Coutinho. Um, the, the progression is there. That's yeah, a spl- those are splashy transfers. And, and what uh, Douglas Louise, we just signed him to a new contract, I believe. Uh, a lot of teams are looking at him. I think, I think Tottenham are actually looking at uh, to try to bring said no, even though the number was somewhere in between 30 and 40 million. Um, we're going to hold on to our players and I think bring in some new players in the, in the, in the summer window. And yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a good time to be a Villa supporter. What a lot of American fans don't understand is Aston Villa is actually a really big club. Uh, in England, uh, a lot of English people understand the the level. It's not just some little, you know, a little. Um, it's it's, club. it's a mainstay it's a, Premier League team, right? Yeah, and they they should be in the top five and six teams uh, in the country, um, playing wise, and they will be. I think at some point, it's just it's taken a little longer than we thought. But yeah, I mean, they pack out almost forty thousand every week at Villa Park. Um, the the following worldwide is huge for Aston Villa. We we are a very big club, and I hate having to tell people that. Um, you know, they think we're like a little Stoke or a little Burnley type club. Ah, Villa's a big club, man. So the majority of their existence has been in the Prem, right? They they were down in the championship for how many years there? Because yeah, we were back down when I started watching the game. They were kind of like one of the newer championship clubs. So I was, yeah, I learned about the history through through just watching it over time. But we were we were in the championship for three years. It was it was. It was unfortunate. We, we went through some management issues, some owner issues. 
um, you know, five, six, seven years ago. And it, it hurt us. It really hurt us. We were a terrible team. We were relegated for three years. And then we got back. Dean Smith brought us back. The new owners came in, put money into the club, brought Dean Smith in, and then uh, got us back to the premiership where we belong. But yeah, before that, we were one of the only, uh, only what, three or four clubs who hadn't been relegated. Uh, there was us, Everton, Man United, uh, Arsenal, and, and, you know, some of the big boys there. Um, but a lot of people don't understand. We also won the European Championship, the, which is formerly the uh, Champions League back in 1982. So we were one of five English clubs to, to hold a uh, European Championship. Huh. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. neat. I'm hoping Everton uh, in place of Norwich, actually. So Josh Sargent can get first team minutes in the Prem is going yeah. to be their first ever going down. I really hope that'd be fun. I don't think Everton are going to go down though, with, with no. them bringing in Lampard and now getting Deli Ali and, uh, and Donny Donny Van de Beek. Johnny, yeah, Donny Van de Beek, who's a really good player, by the way. Yes. Um, I think I think they'll be okay once they get things figured out. Um, so I, I I I would like to see Norwich stay and and see Sargent uh, get more minutes and stay in the Premiership. That'd be good for the U.S. Men's National Team for sure. It would be good, although he could use like a shit ton of goals in the championship for some confidence, and then maybe we'll see him back in the uh, USMNT picture. So maybe yeah, championship's not so bad for Josh. You might be right. <laughs> All right, so we usually end uh, Rooster, and the, Rooster and the Villain by a rant. So it's anything soccer-related, tangentially soccer-related that you just hmm. want to get off your chest. I can hmm. give you a second to think about it. Um, or if you got something just fire from the hip, it's really up to you. Interesting. Yeah. I don't, um, I kind of do a lot of rants on my show. Um, Oh, I I got one for you. All right. Um, so I'm surrounded by, uh, I got a lot of friends and a lot of people on our soccer, uh, we are soccer community, uh, page, the, the, the Facebook group we have, they're man United fans. They are huge man United fans. Everybody wanted Ole out, right? Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, get out. You're ruining the club. Get out, get out, get out. Now they've got Ralph Rangnick. And I tell you what, I I was excited for my friends when Ralph Rangnick got in there because I thought he was going to change the club around. And holy crap, I've watched every Man United game for the past, for for Ralph Rangnick's tenure here of 10 weeks, whatever it is. They are terrible. I I do not understand how Man United fans think this is going to get better with Ralph Rangnick in charge. And the funny thing is, they all blame it not on Ralph Rangnick, not on Ronaldo or anything like that. They blame it on Maguire. I get it, Maguire isn't a good player. But holy <laughs> shit, you can't blame every fucking loss on, on Harry Maguire. The other day, they tied 1-1. They should have lost. Tied 1-1. The offense was nowhere to be seen. It was crazy how bad they were crazy um poor harry Maguire. i'm sticking up for the guy i'm sticking up for him man he's he's not trust me he's not a 70 million pound player like like he you know he's the the value that they put on him but but he's not the worst player in the world but man ralph rangnick his tactics are not working in the premiership you cannot go into every game with a 37 year old striker expecting to win um it's man united fans this is this is their coming down season. They're not going to be happy at the end of the season, and it's going to be interesting to see if they stick with Ralph Rangnick or uh, or let him go. I mean, it's pretty clear what they're going to do at this point. <laughs> they're going to let his ass go. <laughs> Rangnick was supposed to be Klopp's. Like water. He's supposed to be Klopp's Klopp. holy ghost, right? That was his background. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's the one like top of the tree, and they've got you've got Klopp, you've got Tuchel, uh, uh, Eric Ten Hag from Ajax, who all kind of 
been under his wing at the some point. Tree, it's it's yeah. that Rangnick tree. Yeah. And, and I, I gotta be honest, like I said, I bought in, I, I read about him so did I. all about him. I, I bought in and said, this is going to be fantastic. And then all of a sudden he comes in and plays a four, two, two, two. And you're like, Holy shit, that's never going to work. And it hasn't, and he hasn't changed it. So yeah. Yeah. Love Man United fans and getting them riled up. Oh man. That was just, that was an epic rant off the cuff. I, I really appreciated that. All right, Craig. Thanks, well, thanks so much. For the man. Stop putting Zardis on the field, Greg. Just stop. Stop it now.